welcome to Season 2, Episode 5, the episode that will inevitably be completely about the debate. Okay, good times, bad times, as usual to start the show. Uh, there was a couple of things that I wrote down for good times, even in this sort of dark week. But <laughs> there was a there was a poll that ABC News did that said seventy two percent of Americans believe Trump did not take the risk of contracting the virus seriously enough. And and I just think if you if you're one of those seventy two percent and you think he didn't take this seriously enough, how can you turn around and say, but that's who I want to be president? Well, it's one of those things where you know, depending on the sample size, you know, like like I don't know what the sample size was, but maybe you just happen to grab a group who are smart mostly. Maybe they said it was forty three percent of the Republicans and ninety five percent of the Democrats said that. Yeah, well, a lot of Republicans aren't going to vote for Trump. But again, I wonder what state, like, did they pull these guys out of Wyoming, yeah, which is the, the most deeply Republican state there is? Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it's funny, I, I was listening to Jimmy Kimmel, and he was talking about how people are, somebody, some senator or wannabe senator or congressman, I can't remember which, Republican, tweeted, how come all these Republican people are getting covid but none of the Democrats are. It's a conspiracy. And Jimmy Kimmel goes, yeah, it's a lot like the conspiracy where if you jump out of a plane with a parachute, you land normally. And if you jump out of a plane without one, you splat like a bag of coleslaw. <laughs> uh, yeah. In some other good times. Yeah. You know what Sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's interesting because this has some interesting implications for the Ruth Bader Ginsburg replacement. Although I don't know if you can actually call anyone a replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's more like a seat filler. All these Republican senators who are getting it, I think it's up to three now, are on the Judiciary Committee, which could delay the vote. Yeah, but uh, only by two weeks. Likely yes, only by two weeks. but it might be weeks. enough to... Yes, but, but it might be enough to push it past the election, in which case, you know, the, like Amy Con- Conan... Barrett? Show, Barrett, yeah. She might, she might, she, I mean, she'll probably still be confirmed, but if they push it till after the election, then it will be harder if Trump tries to steal the election through the Supreme Court, he'll have a harder time of it. Yeah, except for it'll be a couple of, it'll be a week or so after election date before they even get the final numbers in, likely, so there's still a bit of time. But it, it makes the, it makes the timing more interesting anyway. Yes. And some other good news, there was a debate in South Carolina, uh, and in a segment on bipartisan cooperation, Lindsey Graham said, this is not your grandparents' Democratic Party. The people running the Democratic Party today are nuts. And then when his opponent, the Democrat, Jamie Harrison, got a chance to speak, he replied, the first set of ter- terms of working with the other side is not to call the other side nuts. <laughs> Well, I mean, Lindsey Graham, I, I'm, it drives me crazy when Republicans talk about how the Democrats will never work bipartisanly. Because, like, Lindsey Graham, for example, is one of the most partisan senators there is. 
he was criticizing Trump back and forth constantly before the Republican nominee was announced, then Trump won it, and then he jumps his defense, then he's defending him for four years, and he says, you know, well, we can't, you know, use my words against me if, if, the, if there's a vacancy before an election and Trump gets a nomination, we won't vote on it till after the election. Oh, and he turns around, and no, it's totally different. Like, there are definitely some very partisan Democrats and and pretty much everything that Republicans are guilty of, Democrats are guilty of to an extent, but it's just so much more extreme on the Republican side. Well, yeah, especially now because they're in power, so they can. Yeah, but, like, I just, it drives me crazy when, like, especially people like Lindsey Graham say these things. Like, it's just so blatantly hypocritical and you know 44 percent of americans don't seem to care or don't notice yeah yeah it's pretty crazy he's 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 uh pretty bad he's uh up there with mitch mcconnell i think in my books although mitch yeah. probably takes cake but anyway one more piece of good news i thought it was good news anyway i mean uh biden has pulled all the attack ads after the covid diagnosis which i i think is a classy move and I think you don't want to necessarily drop to his Trump's, that is, level. Which brings me into a sort of smooth transition into the bad times, where on Biden pulling attack ads, Ilhan Omar, who's a member of what are they called, the squad, tells Biden to get back to the attack ad. She, she, she tweeted, why would Biden delay or suspend his campaign when we know Trump would have had ads up by noon today ridiculing Biden for testing positive? And I just, I don't think because Trump would do it is a reason you do something. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I also, it, I mean, in a way it's also a kind of, not quite a double standard, but... I can see why perhaps members of the squad are especially angry about this kind of thing or why it seems to get close to home because another thing I saw is, I think it was Twitter or Facebook. Facebook um, it was Facebook, I think, yeah. That that banned ads. Oh, um, maybe or, or it was Twitter. Sort of post. It was any, yeah, one of them banned any sort of post that, you know, praised Trump getting the coronavirus or like, I hope he dies. And, you know, the members of the squad all kind of tweeted, where was that when people were tweeting that, you know, they hope I died or that they were going to kill me? Yeah, it was like, it was death threats or death wishes that they banned. And then the squad was like, oh, that's all you have to do. But that's not the same as this. I don't think. No, but but this is taking the low road. And I don't expect especially those people to do that. Yes. I, I, I mean, I just think I, I, I understand why does that side get treated so much? Why do we treat them so much better than they treat us when they've done nothing to deserve it? And when they, you know, like I understand that frustration. I, I, I sympathize with it a lot. But the separation is because you take the high road. If you start not taking the high road, then there's little to no separation. Yeah, and that's worked out so well for them Listen, over the past four years. There's been lots of issues with, I mean, there's there's issues with, with voting in the states we all know that it doesn't take a it doesn't take a majority to become the president it doesn't take a majority to get a majority in the senate but that doesn't mean i mean then but that doesn't mean that that you i I think pulling the attack ads was the right move the classy move by biden and uh i I hope he sticks with it until trump's better if he was ever sick in the first place but we'll get to that later (laughs) 
Some more bad times. Ontario's highest COVID numbers in one day since the beginning of the pandemic were on September 28th. 700 new cases reported on Monday. 344 in Toronto, 104 in Peel, 89 in Ottawa, and 57 in York Region. Oh, jeez. So not great numbers. It may have even gone over 1,000 since then a day in Ontario. I think it has. Oh, that's not good. It's bad news. It's got to be like, what is it? Is it the schools or what? I think it's just everything. They, they did everything. I saw the one of the lead doctors in Ontario called for Doug Ford to do a four-week ban on sports, like indoor sports, inside restaurant eating, just bring everything back to try to catch this before it spirals out of control again. Seems like it's already spiraled out of control. Yeah, but you don't want to have to lock everything down like we did last time, so they're trying to catch it now before it gets too late. Yeah. And of those... I mean, I was going to say, whatever, whatever you can do that's helpful, they should, the government should do. Yeah, and I mean, there's been some in schools for sure. I don't know how much gets traced back to schools, and I don't think most of it because of the 700, 317 cases are people between the ages of 20 and 39, 183 between 40 and 59, and only 101, 19 and younger. So only 101 of them could even have a shot of being in school. Oh, geez. And then in the U.S., Saturday saw over 50,000 new cases, the highest for them since mid-August. So they're coming up again as well. Every, I mean, I think everyone's going up, right? That's what I've... It's the world. The world is going up. Yeah, it seems to be that way. This seems to be the second wave. It seems to be coming a month before people thought it might, but maybe that's good because maybe it'll be done before Christmas if it's a, short, a smaller wave. That would be nice. There's a kind. All over the world. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about protests going on in Belarus. And now Britain and, and Canada as well have, have imposed sanctions on the Belarus leader, his son, and senior members of the government. Which It's more than just Britain and Canada, though, isn't it? I, I, I think it was, yeah. But I think Britain and Canada were maybe some of the leaders in there. But it's interesting. I don't. How do you impose sanctions on the leader? Because you don't want to hurt the people. Like, what sort of sanctions do you put on the leader? I mean, you maybe can't like, come to our country club. I guess I, I honestly am not a hundred percent sure. I I thought that they'd post that they'd sanctioned. Maybe that's just like they don't recognize his government as legitimate, and so like they don't recognize like his his trade deals or anything like that. Could be. Maybe I should have um, looked into it more before I wrote that. Just that down. <laughs> it's <laughs> the measures include a travel ban, an asset freeze. Oh, okay. It's a travel ban and an asset freeze. And uh, our, our foreign minister, François-Philippe Champagne, said that Canada considers that Alexander Lukashenko lacks legitimacy to be leader of the Belarus. That's some strong words from the Frenchman. That's, uh, that's good. I mean, it looks like yeah. there's some sort of uprising there. And uh, if the rest of the world gets behind the people and but then they have to sort they have to sort of let them run it. You know what I mean? Not try to step in and. As, yeah, that's, as, that's as people do all over the place. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that, that never ends well. Tends not to. If this is all we're going to do, then that's good and let it, let's, let it play out. Looks like that the, yeah. it's the, they're starting to get more and more support to, to overthrow this guy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't know where to add this one. I, I, 
but I left it in all over the world since it's about Japan. But the Japanese Airlines, which I guess is like their major carrier. I don't know if that's what they're called or if it's called something else. But they are no longer going to say ladies and gentlemen uh, on their airplanes when they're doing announcement. They're going to change it to a gender neutral greeting like attention all passengers or good morning everyone. Uh, they probably won't say that if it's not morning. But I think, yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably good. I, I, I seem to me I've been on a lot of planes, planes where they say attention all passengers and stuff. So this might be, they might be actually behind the times. Just other people have, did an announcement. They just did it. But why not? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those very easy things that I'm sure people will be up in arms about it, but that offends nobody. Uh, or ha- there's no reason to defend ev- anybody, and it just includes everyone. So, and it's super simple. So why not? Like it's just an easy thing. Yeah. And December 31st is the expiry for the Briex transition period, and there's still no trade deal in place. Boris, the Briex? The yeah, the Brexit. Sorry, Brexit. <laughs> I don't know why I said Briex. It's a Brexit transition period, and there's no trade deal in place. So Boris says that. It's not ideal, but England can live with that outcome if that's the way it plays out. Well, it's probably because he didn't try and he never really wanted a trade deal because that's who Boris Johnson is. I read uh, somewhere that the EU is suing England. Yeah. The United Kingdom for some sort of breach. Yeah, over the violations of their exit agreement. Europe moves to sue Britain over breaching Brexit withdrawal deal. Deal. No, pardon me, hiccuped. Yeah, because it said Prime Minister Boris Johnson attempted to rewrite the Brexit withdrawal agreement, which, by its very nature, a breach of the obligation of good faith. Well, it's not surprising um, it's not going well. Yeah, no, it was not. I mean, has it ever been going well? <laughs> we'll see what happens at the end uh, of the year. It should be a interesting time in Europe and in England. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was a mistake for them to vote to leave, and most of them didn't understand what they were doing. So it was really a mess from the top. And, and then... They elected who they elected, but I have to say that even at the time, I could have told you, and I think any reasonable person could have told you that Boris Johnson was not the man to lead you or lead Britain through this exit deal. But I mean, now England has to live with their decisions. I mean, they voted, it's a democracy. Yep. So we'll see how that turns out. Good luck to them. And then, speaking of Europe, three men living in Belgium have been arrested with suspected involvement in the 1994 Rwanda genocide. Now, good that they got caught, but I gotta say, if if you're a if you're an international war criminal, why would you live in Belgium? I mean, isn't the Hague where they try do these trials for the international war criminals? Yeah, like, wouldn't you yes. want to live in South America or something that's far, far away from no. there? That's where that's where all the war criminals go to hide. Like you know, that's where all the Nazis went to Argentina. So that's the first place they're going to look. I mean, these guys managed to avoid uh, capture for 26 years. That's not nothing. I think hiding right under their nose is not a bad idea. They were like right beside the courthouse. Yeah. It's, it's they had jobs in there. They, they were security guards in the courthouse. Yeah, exactly. They just uh, they just got sloppy, I think. I think it's actually kind of brilliant. Oh, I guess it did work for a while. But yeah, eventually somebody's going to go, hey, I know you. Yeah. It's funny that um, the Belgians caught them because the Belgians had probably the most brutal regime in colonial Africa. So it's kind of like they're one to talk, you know. 
I just think it's funny that all these international institutions that are about like world peace and happiness and all these good things take like are all stated in all the imperial countries whose legacy is now causing most of the world's problems. Well, because they're sorry, so they're trying to make it better. Oops, my bad. <laughs> Let me throw these guys <laughs> yeah. in jail for you. <laughs> TNT. Let's start with Trudeau because that'll be shorter. And, and by starting with Trudeau, we mean somebody else. That's right. Anime Paul, winner of not only the Green Party leadership, but the weirdest first name in Canadian politics. <laughs> she was the Green Party winner in the eighth round of voting. Yeah, the eighth, eighth round? Eighth round, and there were eight candidates. She was uh, up and down, right? She was winning, and then she was in second for a while, and then ended up winning again. Yeah, yeah. She um she was the perceived front runner because I mean there were no polls done because you know it's the Green Party. Uh nobody cared. She was the perceived front runner because she uh had the most in fundraising. Um right off the top, right after the first quarter. And yeah, she's she's historic. She's the first leader of uh rather she's the first black leader of a major Canadian political party. I think to be a major Canadian political party, you just need to have a seat. So I think it counts. I don't um, even. I, think I don't think you're also, an official party if you only have one seat. No, no, you're not. You're not. But I mean, like the Greens get invited to all the debates. Everyone knows who the Green Party is. I they don't, they though. Are. Elizabeth May isn't in half the debates because they don't well, have she enough won't be seats. In any of the debates now. Well, no, I know, but I'm just saying that she wasn't in all the debates. Yeah, majors a stretch. I mean, but I anyway, think, I would call them a major party because they do detract in 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 several writings now, a significant amount of the votes that might go to somebody else. Like, even if they don't have a lot of seats, they get a lot of votes. Or at least enough votes to make an impact on elections. Yeah, for the conservatives. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think I could be wrong about this, but she might be the first permanent Jewish leader of a Canadian political party. I don't know what permanent Jewish means. Like, not an interim leader. Oh, okay. Not permanently Jewish. <laughs> permanent leader. <laughs> Yes. Okay, I'm yes. with you. Um, I, I could be wrong about that. She is, you know, Jewish, which makes her, uh, um, you know, Permanently. we haven't had many too, too many. Yes, we haven't had too many leader uh, Jewish leaders of uh, political parties. I mean, we haven't had too many non-Christian leaders of our political parties, so that's, you know, brings a, a different perspective. And I think it'll be nice to have that perspective of a a black woman. A black Jewish woman on the debate stage because we often don't 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 get that much of a minority perspective. I hope she gets invited to the debates. We'll see. I mean, she'll get invited to some. I'm sure she'll get all the ones that Elizabeth May got invited to, like the McLeans and one or two others. She needs to move though. She she she's run now twice and she's running again because it's in a by-election in a Toronto riding. And I mean, she's just not going to win. She needs to move to BC or Guelph. Guelph has a good shot. The Greens, if she wants to stay in Ontario, move to Guelph. The Mike Schreiner, leader of the Green Party of Ontario, is the MPP for Guelph. The Green candidate came in a close second in Guelph in the 2019 election. It's not a far move for her. I think she should move to Guelph. And and when you have the leader there and she gets all the national attention and everyone knows her name, I think she'd have a good shot of carrying the writing. Yeah, uh, I, I just got to say, we had to look up how to say her name. So not everybody knows her name yet, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, no, once she gets the national attention. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a surprising uh, vote, to be honest. A lot of people did better and worse than I was expecting. 
But I'm happy. The man who came in second and who wasn't first for a while, but ended up came in second. I think his name is uh, Dimitri Lascarius. I think I'm butchering his last name, though. Had was surrounded by accusations of anti-Semitism, and he had he never really tried to play it down. And he um, a lot of his supporters were quite. Uh, aggressive, not in like being blatantly anti-Semitic or anything to do with anti-Semitism, really, but his supporters were quite aggressive to other Green Party members who uh, didn't support him, like, you know, like, you're an idiot for not supporting him or name-calling, and and I know quite a few people have actually uh, are leaving the party because they, they, because he lost. I mean, not like any huge majority, but but, uh, you know, I'm in a few Green Party groups and uh, a lot of people have posted like i'm leaving because dimitri didn't win and i'm happy he didn't win i uh, i mean I, i'm kind of disappointed he did as well as he did uh but i'm happy he didn't win i heard this time there was thirty-five thousand people eligible eligible to vote which was approximately 10 times more than the last green party leadership race well the party is i mean it is growing that's undeniable it's gone it'd be in the last leadership race they had 14 years ago, admittedly, uh, they had zero seats. Now they're up to three. They're the official opposition in Prince Edward Island there. They hold the balance of power in BC temporarily. They've got three provincial seats in New Brunswick, and they've got one in Ontario, uh, and then again, three federally. You know, these are not insignificant gains. They're they're really quite large. And uh, yeah, I think they had 85% voter turnout. That's good. Not very many so, things yeah. you get 85% uh, turnout for. I thought it was more like two-thirds. I thought there was something like 24,000 people voted and 35 were eligible, but I, I'm not sure. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, best of luck to Anami Paul. I think she'll do I think she'll do a good job. She's got a good background, lawyering background, which is both stereotypical but also a good asset in politics. I um, wish it was more scientists. And, uh, yeah, yeah, me too. You know, a Green Party tends to be a party that listens to scientists. And she also has a lot of experience in international affairs. So that's always an asset if you want to be a federal politician. Yeah, absolutely. She, I read that she spent a lot of time in that sort of vocation. Yeah. So best of luck to her. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Moving on. Now, again, not really Trudeau so much, but politics in Canada. The Ontario legislature is planning on flying the Republic of China's flag to commemorate China's National Day. Now, Ford isn't happy about this, saying the Ontario Legislative Assembly has a flag policy that's independent of the political parties in the government, and it's a not appropriate time to be raising the flag, and the government of Ontario nor the PC caucus will be sending a representatives. And I'm kind of with Ford on this one. I don't care if it is National Chinese Day. They are holding two Canadians hostage in jail. Like, what, what are you talking about? We're yeah. going to fly their flag on the legislator yeah, of our I, province. Are you kidding me? I agree. I, I have to agree. It's, it's. I mean... And yeah, even, I, I don't even in the best of times... Either. Sorry, go ahead. I, have, I, mean, I was just to say, I have to agree. I, I think it's a bad idea either. Maybe this is a blatant assumption, but I'd have to say most Chinese Canadians probably aren't very supportive of the government in Beijing. And I think there must be a better way to celebrate Chinese <sighs> culture and heritage than uh, flying the government emblem, or rather the emblem of a government that is holding two of our citizens hostage and has been for, you know, illegally for, for, for a long time. I don't remember how long now, but it's been probably close to a year, maybe longer. It's been more than a year. It's That's, been, it was shortly after was, we arrested uh, the Huawei CFO. Yeah. That was more so than a year ago. That's been a ridiculous ago. amount of time. Yeah. 
That's been a ridiculous amount of time. And and the other thing is, it's it's a pretty oppressive regime. It's a you know we all it's it's not well. I, listen, I, I don't know from what I see from the reports that I see. I haven't been there, but from the reports that I see and what I see on the news. And that probably is slanted mostly one way. Should we ever be flying their flag until they sort of have a more democratic, more demo- democratically elected government or representation or something? Like, why, yeah. should, why should we ever fly their flag? I, I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle sometimes when it comes to reports on China because I don't generally trust dare I say, capitalist media to necessarily accurately report on, on China, nor would I necessarily trust capitalist governments to accurately report on China. But I also don't trust communist government outlets to accurately report on China. You know, the only sort of reports that I 100% buy are, are experience reports from people who have like lived there and come out. And, and the general vibe I get is, is it's a fairly oppressive regime. I mean, it's ridiculous on on the left wing and some of the communist outlets that I've seen and read will defend China like crazy and North Korea. And I find it absurd because, I mean, it's just, they're just blatantly lying. Like they just pretend certain things aren't happening. And I really believe that if you want to spread your ideology, and I have to say there are certain things, maybe even half of things that, that, that communists say or believe that I'm like, yeah, sounds like a good idea to me. But I, I mean, so if you want to spread those, if you want that to be taken seriously, you know, dare to stand up and say, this is not what we want to do. This is wrong. And with China, I mean, I think you could point at the Chinese government and say that's not communism because it's just there's no communism. capitalist economy. There's no communism anywhere, anywhere. It never has worked. There's people that say they're communists, but they aren't. The people at the top always have money and power and food and toilet paper and everything, and it's the people yeah. underneath that suffer. And that is not, by yeah. definition, communism. There has never been a true communist government, and there never will be, because the people, once they get the power, they want it. It's it's yeah, it's no different. It's, I, I tend to agree. I don't. I, it's not communism. It's authoritarianism. But I think if you want, and I and I don't think communism will, will ever work. Um, unfortunately, great idea if you actually read into it. But I just don't think it'll work. But if you want to try to get ca- like like traction, I think the better route is not to try to defend places like China and North Korea and just say no, the bad things aren't happening. Say yes, the bad things are happening. They're wrong, and that's not communism. For sure. Like, and I, but I think as long as true, and I, I do, I do think it's important that the people have a say in in who governs them, and that's also not part of communism, really. So it's it's just it doesn't it doesn't hold water for me. But but well, I I, mean, I don't I mean, believe that the the places that call themselves communist countries right now are because they aren't. Yeah, I although actually. Mongolia is not too far off. They they have elected uh, a majority communist people under elections that have been deemed free and fair by the United Nations. So either they're pulling a fantastic ruse, or or they're they're doing well. Or they're scared. In, like, maybe, but the United Nations tends to take into account like any sort of harassment when they when it's free and fair. Like if you're terrorizing your citizens and devoting somebody else, and it's not exactly free, right? Or fair. So. I tend to trust international election observers. Maybe that's just naive. But I will say, in the, in the communism that 
that Karl Marx wrote out. And, I, um, and I've read the Communist Manifesto, and honestly, sometimes it's a little bit hard to sift through, but it, it really seems to me that it's not authoritarian because there is no government and everyone just governs themselves. It's not... It's a fantastic idea, not really totally flushed out, to be honest. Um, Carl, I think he had the best of intentions, heart in the right place, didn't necessarily think it through too well. It's a little um, bit... Because it's kind of... Go ahead. Sorry? No, go ahead. I was going to say, it's kind of like big government, but also just no government at all, which is almost contradictory. Yeah, it's a lot... It's a little bit like... Have you been? Have you ever listened to the Russell Brand podcast that he does? It's on YouTube, I think. He talks about decentralization of government and and small areas having their own governments and 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 running what they need to do themselves almost like almost like a commune sort of and it's it's interesting again i'm not sure it'll work but it's an interesting thought either way what we're doing now isn't working so let's let's we need to rethink need to rethink what's going on yeah i'll have to say in canada i i'm not 100 percent sold on this but I'd be interested in entertaining the possibility, and if people smarter than me who know more about this uh, could actually, like, suss it out and and see, like, what would this be like. But would it be worth, like, getting rid of the provinces and giving more powers to municipalities and then the federal government in some aspects? Because, you know, we talk about the provinces being, like... uh, you know, well, we need them because different regions have different needs, and Canada's so big, we need to subdivide the power. But you can't tell me that the people, the needs of the people in northern Ontario are the same as the needs of people in Toronto. Uh, you can't tell me that the, the needs of people in Ontario, B.C., are the same as the people on uh, coastal B.C., and you can see that through their voting patterns. Interior B.C. is way more conservative, and uh, coastal B.C. is way more left-wing. There are there are these just very clear divides amongst the provinces where I don't necessarily believe the provinces are doing what they're supposed to be doing right now, and do we need more powers in, in, in the municipalities? John Tory does a fantastic job advocating for Toronto, and and I feel like he could do a lot of good for Toronto if he had more ability. Yeah, I mean Toronto might be a, a its own. I mean it's just so big. There isn't well, there's no other population that's as big as that in the country. There's a couple of other big ones in the country, but then you have vast regions of very few people, and you're going to give them the same power as the people in Toronto. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, maybe you need, like, in that case, you need, like, Ontario has, like, regional governments, not just necessarily cities, but, you know, I've never really fully understood that how that works, but, you know, maybe for some of, like, the vast regions as far as the populations, you need to condense it into a, a, a region, but I think even that would give it more power than, or more ability to address specific... Like, and, and it, it's sort of, you're advocating for more provinces, Maybe, but I, I'm really thinking that these things would have less power than than modern provinces. I think healthcare should be a federal responsibility, for example. I think it's ridiculous that someone in BC can get better healthcare than someone in Alberta. Yeah, I never understood I that either. I don't understand. The gov- the feds say you have to provide healthcare, but then sort of leave it at that. Why yeah, not Why like not a, have it federal so all Canadians get the same healthcare? I, I've never understood that. Yeah, and and to be honest, I feel almost the same way about education. Like, like why is somebody in, in the different provinces getting a different education, in many provinces a worse education, than somebody in another province? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, 
I mean, it's definitely different. I mean, you're going to learn you're going to learn a different history if you went to school in Quebec than if you go to school in Ontario, that if you go to school in the West than if you go to school in the North. They're yeah. all going to teach different history classes, and it's all going to be history from their perspective. And which yeah. which is which is right and which one should be taught? That's I think it's just easier to spread out the education because otherwise you'd you'd have a hard time getting a consensus and then yeah. you'd you'd end up not teaching anything. <laughs> like you'd end up just being down the middle wishy washy. I, I don't know. I don't know. Or or would you get a stronger education of like more I think maybe I think now that I think about it, separate education might actually be stoking regional divides because I can promise you here in Alberta, when they talk about history and you get to, you know, the 1970s, they're like, and then the devil himself, Pierre Trudeau, was elected and he single handedly (laughs) came here and grabbed all of our oil and gave it to Ontario absolutely free and said, screw you, Alberta. I hate you. Ontario and Quebec rules. That's the Alberta history textbook for the 1970s. And then you wonder why Albertans, you know, hate Ontario or Ontarians, you know? Yeah, but um, Ontario shouldn't be able to write the book either. I'm, I mean, whatever. No, I agree. But would you get a more well-rounded history if you actually consulted everybody? Uh, you know, maybe it's a bit more intensive, but, you know. Yeah, it would know. be It would be an interesting thought process. Can you teach a historical event from the different views to one class like this is what this side thought this is what this side thought you know this is what happened yeah i mean i think you know you start learning and at least in ontario you know you start learning history in uh grade seven maybe you need to start teaching it earlier to cover everything or maybe you need to you know start making some cuts like when i started learning history one of the first things was you know when um samuel de champlain came and founded new france and and uh you know i think the history of colonization there is important but i never even heard the word colonization until i got to high school and um, that's and that's so because that's, you went to high school in the nwt yeah exactly Did, so, in like, grade nine think, grade nine in ontario they didn't say colonization yeah well they didn't teach history in grade nine it skips a year they do geography in grade nine yeah I but want, still, but still, yeah, didn't hear about it. I don't, and I don't think, um, I don't think that's how they approach it in Ontario, if I remember my history. I don't yeah, think, no, I, I don't think I learned about residential schools until I went to Yellowknife. Yeah, well, you know, the Indigenous history was required in Ontario schools in 2017, and then Doug Ford was elected, and he canceled that. So it was required in schools for one school year. Anyway, my, my, my point was, you know, like, if you're not going to teach the colonization aspect, you probably don't need to go all the way back to the 1600s to the foundation of New France. And even if you are going to teach the colonization aspect, you can probably do that without going all the way back to 1600. Like, I think you could summarize the gist of it, that, you know, it started happening, and then these are the effects... And I'm not saying you should breeze over it, but I don't think you need to start necessarily in 1600. You know, like you can maybe cut some of that back. I can't tell you how long we spent in grade eight learning about how the French settlers set up their farms along along the St. Lawrence. <laughs> like this was days and like how it was in strips and how it was divided. And then they were like, in this region of this strip, they would grow this. And in this reason, they would grow this. And they'd make money by renting it out to some poor people. And I don't care. That's not necessarily <laughs> the important aspects of Canadian history. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're right. There's a lot of things that could be refocused on, and let's hit the highlights, not necessarily how they divided up the land along the St. Lawrence. Yeah, and 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 I mean, there. I'm sure people will make arguments against that, but that's been happening for you know decades because history keeps happening. Like there is more and more to teach, so eventually you just got to stop teaching certain aspects. Yeah, or yeah, like you said, start earlier or condense or. Yeah, yeah, condense, refocus, something. Yeah. All right. And we are so far off of where we started. We are. I'm going to get us back on track here. The Trudeau government, (laughs) now I'm going, I'm actually, this one is about Trudeau. Bill C-4. Bill C-4, which is the bill designed with three new benefits to fill the gaps left by the end of CERB. Passed this week unanimously in the House and the Senate. Held it up a little bit because they were a little upset that they that the House of Commons asked them to quickly pass a rubber stamp a bill without reading it first. Apparently, all of a sudden, the Senate wants to read the bills. I just thought they liked (laughs) getting paid and having fancy offices, but now they want time to read them. But Trudeau was looking at C4. He said he viewed it as a confidence bill, and it passed unanimously. So I guess there's lots of confidence there. (laughs) Did he say he thought it was a confidence after or before it passed unanimously? Before. Oh, well, that's a surprise, because I would have expected him to come out after it passed unanimously and been like, that was totally a confidence vote, guys. No, no, he said it before. He said it before. Surprising. Now, but, you know, cool. Dr. Teresa Tam is come out and saying to keep Thanksgiving small this year, as small as possible, I, ideally just your household. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's sad, but I have to agree. You know, keep Thanksgiving small so that we can have big Christmases. You know, like, I, I think that's what you got to do. And to be honest, I mean, as far as holidays goes, I'll sacrifice a Thanksgiving to take a Christmas. And they're both you know? turkey dinners, so. Yeah. And I'm still going to cook a turkey. So. Yeah, exactly. Like, you get the food, uh, you the, know, maybe do a conference call with the family. But the only, I'd say Christmas is a more important holiday when, when it comes to family. Well, there's more presents. There's more presents. Yes. But the, the, the interesting thing is the you only get only do one turkey dinner instead of, you know, normally we do two for grandma comes over and then nana comes over, but now we're only gonna do one turkey dinner just for just for us. So that's kinda sad. Just do a second one as well. <laughs> Canada is changing border restrictions and will now allow certain extended family members of Canadian citizens and Canadian permanent residents including those in an exclusive dating relationship of at least one year, how do you prove that, and their dependent children, as well as adult children, grandparents, siblings, sorry, grandchildren, siblings, and grandparents. They also allow foreign nationals for compassionate reasons in specific circumstances, such as life-threatening injury, critical illness, or death. I'm assuming they mean of somebody else, not the person visiting, with the potential limited release from quarantine as well as international students starting on October 20th, 2020, if they will be attending a designated learning institution. That seems like it potentially is a lot of people. Uh, Potentially. I mean, they're telling Um, us to only eat dinner with our families, and yet they're loosening the border restrictions? Yeah, it's... I mean, it does seem very specific circumstances. You're right. How do you prove how long you've been dating or that you're in an exclusive relationship with anybody? I feel like you could fake that pretty easily with just, like, a pal. Yeah. Like, what are they going to make you do? But I don't know. I, I mean, I see why they're letting all of these groups in. But brought together, it does seem like maybe it's a lot, especially in the States, which 
I mean, I know we're on the up and up again, but at least we had a dip. The States has been a straight line up. Yeah, I think they plateaued, but either but either way, the uh, you know we're, we're we're now on the uptick again, and now they're like now's the time to consider reducing the people you're letting in. Is it not? Like they're telling they're telling oh, I- families to not get together at Thanksgiving, but then they're letting these families in to come visit you. Yeah, I mean, I I, I understand if maybe like. Like, I understand, you know, this might, maybe it's your last chance to see an elderly or sick relative. That I understand. But just your Uncle Jim, who lives in Michigan, who you haven't seen in a few months, eh, I don't know if I'd let him in. Yeah, but this is saying that they can. Certain extended family members. Yeah, and that that I think might go too far. They're telling you not to visit. (laughs) It's just, it's just such a, uh, it's just such a juxtaposition from what Tam is telling people. And it just happened. Like it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Can you be consistent? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's the wrong call. I think you're right. If if somebody's on death's door, yeah, okay, you let the family in to say goodbye. But other than that, I'm not sure there's a reason that can't wait in a in an uptick of COVID time of people coming from a place that has it like crazy, whether it's U.S. Yeah. or India or anywhere else. Yeah, but you know what? I will say. Um, I saw recently that one of the airports, it might have been Toronto, uh, ordered a bunch of COVID tests that supposedly work in 13 minutes. The and, city, the I mean, country bought, the country bought 200 million of those or something. Okay, well, I mean, I would like to know more about their success rate before I fully trust them. But if they really get those down pat and get those like working at a good rate, I would be okay with letting everyone in as long as they had to take a test before they got on the plane. After they got off the plane, but the the other thing is, I think you can test no, negative. No, they got off the plane. After they get off the plane, they're here. Yeah, but you but, but those are in airports that aren't in Canada. You can't make. Yeah, them. but like before they got on the Air Canada plane, I guess it would take a long time to board a plane if you have to wait thirteen minutes for everybody to spit into a. You just start earlier. Yeah, I guess that's the first line you get in. Is yeah. the spit test line, but you can yeah. test negative. I, th- I think it has to incubate. For a day or two before you test positive, is what it looks like. So it's not a 13-minute test. No, no, the test is 13 minutes. But for example, let's you know, I if I'm if I get infected today and I take a test today, I'll test negative. If I take a test tomorrow, say it's 50-50, and if I take a test on on Tuesday, then I test positive. Oh, I see. Okay. So just because yeah. You, you know what I mean? You need to you take that test and you take, take another one two days later. And as long as you can get, didn't get infected in that day in between, you're good. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Anyway. Do you have any Trudeau? Or shall we move move uh, on? No. Let's move on. All right. Well, firstly, and I can't believe this is the first time we've sort of mentioned this, but did you know Trump test positive for COVID? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. You heard that? I wasn't. I, I think I saw it somewhere I, buried underneath something else. You I know? wasn't sure that was in the Edmonton news. <laughs> now I I originally had my doubts. I was, which is saying something itself about the leader. The, when I when I first heard it, I thought he is probably faking it. That's the first thing that went through my head, and that says something about him. He's just a habitual liar. I automatically assume everything out of his mouth is a lie. I bought it. I thought he had it. I was. I believed it because he's an idiot. I was like, yeah, that makes sense that he got it. That tracks. But yeah. now that he's in Walter Reed 
and he has all those doctors saying that he has it, I would hope you wouldn't be able to pull a fast one like that. But then he does stuff like today. He was in a car waving at people today, doing a drive-by to supporters that were around the hospital. Yeah, but he's stupid enough to do that. But who's the stupid driver and the other people in the car? Are they already COVID positive? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't care. And I, I don't know, I guess they're being paid enough. I mean, what really convinced me is when you saw it moving through the Republican ranks and like when it hit the Judiciary Committee, for example, then I was like, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, though they had... Uh, notice, a, there's yet to be a Democrat on a national level to test positive. I'm sure it'll happen. But, you know, if you if you are a little bit careful, you can go a long way to avoid it. And they have shot after shot of, I think it was on Jimmy Kimmel again, of him basically doing contact tracing of, you know, all the people that have it and all the people that they were hugging, shaking hands with, right next to, without masks on at various functions after the positive of his um, campaign leader, Bryce something or something Bryce. I don't know. She, the, she was the first one to get it. And I think some sort of campaign strategist or something. And they weren't going to tell anybody. They were trying to keep it quiet until Trump got it as well. Doesn't the, surprise me. There are some reports from Trump allies that believe it's a conspiracy regarding the White House outbreak. They said they wouldn't put anything by the radical left. Yeah. They went in and they injected everybody with coronavirus. And there was a, a report a while a report recently said Trump could be discharged as soon as Monday, but then a report I saw just a couple hours ago said he would be in a little bit longer than that. So there's some confusion as to how how well he's doing, I guess. Yeah. I mean I'm sure he'll pull through. I'm sure he wants to be out as much as he can so that he uh is you know back to trying to pull together the scraps of what he's calling his campaign. We're a month. We're a month away. We're 30 days away from the election. Uh, he can't really afford to be in quarantine for two weeks if he wants to win. He's just so far behind right now. Yeah, unless he gets a bit of a sympathy bump. Maybe. And I, I've thought about that. I mean, that's how Reagan won his second term. He got a sympathy bump after he got shot. And But I just don't think it'll be enough. I think this... I think. I think more people, I think it's different because, you know, Reagan, Reagan was shot by an Putting a mask assassin. on, putting a mask on Reagan uh, doesn't stop him from being shot. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that wasn't necessarily Reagan's fault, but this is, you know, Trump, Trump's an idiot and that's how he got it. And this is just going to reinforce, you know, I think more people who, who were like, oh, coronavirus isn't that serious. And now Trump has it and they're going to be like, Nothing's going to convince the diehard people, but I think maybe there are a few naive but not stupid Americans who who might look at this and think, "Oh, we're wrong." Yeah. And I think I, I think he might. I think there's a chance he'll lose as many voters as he might gain from it. Maybe, maybe. Hope so. Well, I guess that brings us to the debate, and what a stellar yes. debate it was. Yeah, I mean, Alec Baldwin did a fantastic Trump as usual. <laughs> And uh, Jim Carrey, uh, mixed reviews is Biden, but I, I thought, over lo- oh, by and large, I thought he did an okay job. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought he did a good job. I thought, yeah, I thought the the interrupting Trump was awesome with Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And the line yeah. where he's like, this hoax, and no, I don't think this is going to come and get me later. And that was, it was the cold <laughs> open where Jim Carrey's like, karma and happiness or something, and he's like... If only those two things could come together. Karma and something. Yeah. 
I, I like yeah, I liked how every time like J- Joe Biden be like or Jim Carrey's Joe Biden be like, so here's the deal, and then Trump be like, can I respond to that? Yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, and I honestly I thought the guy that had playing Chris Wallace was also did a fantastic Chris Wallace. Yeah, he was too young, but it's hard to make somebody older. So other than that, he was good. Yeah. And then I heard, I, I read a little bit about the weekend update, and I really want to see it because apparently it was it was fantastic. And they they said <laughs> they said they said you know people say you aren't supposed to joke about about this, but you know and people say it's not funny, but but it is. <laughs> It's like, you know, objectively, it's funny. It's got all the things. It's like me doing a segment complaining about belts and then my pants fall down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Got to see that. Uh, anyway, yeah, we should get favorite, back to the debate. Favorite, Go ahead. Yes. Your favorite I was going to say, and this kind of transitions into the real debate, because um, my favorite joke about the debate so far was by Stephen Colbert, and it was about the moment where where Trump was, you know, talking over Biden and Wallace, and Wallace was like, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, I- I'm going to ask a question on race now, but if you want to talk about something else, you can. <laughs> and, and then Stephen Colbert played that clip, and then he goes, ladies and gentlemen, that's Chris Wallace restating America's official position on racism. <laughs> that's right, I saw that. I saw that. And I saw that part of the debate, which was hilarious. They started off with the Supreme Court, and uh, Trump said... We won the election, and we have the right to choose her when talking about replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. And Biden just said it's a it's a blatant attempt at trying to get rid of the Affordable Health Care Act and will strip 20 million people of insurance. When, yeah. they, when they started talking and- about health care specifically, Wallace said to Trump, you have never come up with a comprehensive plan, to which Trump replied, yes, I did. <laughs> He's like a two-year-old. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. You know, I, there was several points in the debate where, and that was one specifically, where, where Trump accused Biden of like, he wants to do socialist health care. And Biden's like, no, I don't. No, I don't. And and I, another one of the fantastic jokes I said was, uh, or not I said, that I saw was that I wish Biden was all the things, was all the things Trump says he is. Yeah. The you other know, one. Like doing Trump did say he was reducing prescription prices and allowing the U.S. to buy drugs from other countries, which is a bit surprising. But uh, isn't isn't that isn't that against sort of what he was talking about before? Like how he wanted to bring all this manufacturing to the states and stuff, and now he's buying it yeah. wherever. And yeah. he said to Biden was going to end private insurance, which Biden said no, he's not. It's always going to be an option. And then at the end of that whole segment on the health care in the Supreme Court, Biden said that was really a productive segment, wasn't it? Because they really didn't talk about anything. It's just a bunch of interrupting. One of the things that shocked me was that Hillary Clinton, who, you know, I thought was maybe the worst Democratic candidate in in this millennium, at least. You know, like she was just she was never popular. It was never a good idea to nominate Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But she did so much better in the debates than Biden did. Yeah. I mean, I I remember thinking they were bad at the time. I don't. But was was she better or was it just more recent? Listen, Biden wasn't great at the debates. Biden, he struggled to, for words and to finish sentences and then said something yeah. and then corrected himself. And he wasn't great. But I yeah. I, I, I remember Hill, Trump interrupted Hillary just as much as he did Biden. And I, I'm not sure it was. 
Like everybody said it was so much worse. I just think it was more recent. Maybe, but I've seen some clips recently, you know, that people are playing, and maybe they're just playing the highlights, but I have seen some clips where Hillary Clinton seemed to be handling herself a lot better and was much more composed and able to stay on topic and on track. Yeah, um, well, that's... And I've heard some pundits say that Hillary Clinton is a better debater than Joe Biden. Uh, could very well be. And and also, it it might depend on the moderator. Yeah, and but you know, I and I saw another video. I saw was the 2012 vice presidential debate where Joe Biden was debating Paul Ryan, and Joe Biden did very well. I thought in that actually, but Paul Ryan, you know, again one of those Republicans who I think you know scum of the earth, no backbone, is however a more traditional politician, and you know wasn't doing all the interrupting and was mostly respectful. So you know it's easier when you're not being assaulted constantly. Yeah. Uh, after that, they moved on to COVID. Chris Wallace said 7 million cases, 200,000 dead. Why should American trust you rather than your opponent? That was the question to both of them. Biden said, basically, you know, Trump never had a plan, even though he knew it was bad. He went back to the tapes from Woodward, said, you know, he just tried to play it down and, and he never had a plan for it. And he knew how bad it was from the beginning and he misled the American people. Trump said it's China's fault. He said, if you were the leader, it would have been much worse. You wouldn't have, he said, you wouldn't have, he said, we made ventilators. You wouldn't have made ventilators. I don't understand that. Of course he would have made, what does that even mean? Yeah. What does that even mean? That's just, I just, it's unbelievable the stuff that comes out of this guy's mouth. And then uh, Trump has spoken to all of the people. Vaccines have become political and they could be done sooner he vaccines are political is that people on his side are rampant anti-vaxxers often and also it's there is hey let's make sure we do this properly and then there's trump who is no just get something out so i look good yeah absolutely no i i agree but he's he's saying that the left is holding them back and it's political to which i think there's no possible way because the drug companies will run it out as soon as they can because they want the money. This is a this is a lucrative prospect for whoever comes out with it first. Yeah, absolutely. And then it was the end of that segment where Biden said something about Trump not being smart. And Trump said, did you use the word smart and acted all indignant? Don't say that about me. You graduated last in your class, not first. Got all indignant. Uh, that was a weird, that was a weird part. Even for Trump, that was a new level of just randomly crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and then he made fun of Biden's masks, which in hindsight turned out to be a little bit funny. (laughs) He wears the biggest masks. Yeah. Then they they moved on to the economy. Uh, Wallace said it's recovering faster than expected. And Trump said it's the greatest economy ever closed down due to the China plague. Now, he keeps saying this, it's the greatest economy ever. What does, what is the frame of reference he's, is he's, he's using for that? Um, his own bat shittery? Yeah, right, because, like, is it, as, what does he mean? I mean... Well, the, it doesn't mean anything, but it doesn't need to, because it sounds good. Like, it is, it is just that, right? Like, okay, the stock market might be at its highest point ever, but that does not mean it's the greatest economy ever. Yeah, I mean, everything lasts historical context. The economy, uh, you know, right before the Great Depression was fantastic. The 20s, the roaring 20s, yeah. everyone was up and up. I would say it's arguably a better, it was arguably a better economy because in the 20s, wages were going up as well as profits. 
And like everybody's life, I take that back. Everybody, every white person's life was getting better in the twenties. And the, and the same with the sixties, like the, when like automation and all that, the Ford started producing and well, that was early in the sixties, but the real big production plants got going in the fifties and sixties. It was pretty good then too. So I, I just don't understand, but yeah. he constantly says that and I don't get it. Nothing to get. Biden says millionaires. That's what Biden's point was. He says millionaires and billionaires are doing well, but regular folks are not doing well. And you can't fix the economy until you fix COVID. After the economy, they moved on to taxes. The new report said Trump paid $750 in income tax in each of the last two years. Wallace said, is that true? It took three or four times asking that question until Trump actually said, I've paid millions of dollars in tax returns. He said, but it's the tax laws. I don't want to pay tax. I was a private person before, like before he's president, he's just a private person. So he's just saying, he's just, well, what he's saying there is, okay, so, but he's been president for four years, so why didn't you fix them? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Um, You know, it's a bit of a double standard where, you know, Trump supporters will say that, you know, Trump cheated the system, so he's a genius, and he, or he maybe even cheated, he worked the system in a way that made him pay fewer taxes, so he's a genius. But, you know, somebody who uses, if you're poor and you use the system to get more money, you're a leech. Or, or uh, you know, a, a, a drag on society. Yeah. And I have to say, I don't understand why the party that claims to be the, you know, the America First Party is so happily endorsing a man who tries his best to rip off the country as much as he can. Yeah. I think it's quite patriotic. They all to do. To pay your taxes, to pay all the taxes you you are owe for the betterment of your country. All those rich Republicans, they don't pay anything. Yeah. They all... No, they, they don't. Anyway, Biden said it's a tax... The tax code put him in a position, put Trump in a position where he paid less than a school teacher and that he would eliminate those tax codes. So that alone... I don't believe him. Well, I hope he tries. We'll see. Trump replied, when the stock market goes up, that means jobs and 401ks. But we'll see. Then Trump spent some time attacking Joe's son, Hunter Biden talked about money he got from the moscow mayor's wife which i i, I mean i don't know enough biden says it's been disproved i don't I the don't. last i heard the last i heard from several news outlets is that it is all that's all baloney yeah it sounds like baloney and and then attacked his drug habit as well and i thought biden handled that well where he said he my son like many americans had had a problem and he's tackled it and he has he has it under control, obviously, like anything, you know, you're never not an alcoholic, but you got to stay on it, but he's, he's doing it. So I thought, I thought, I thought he handled that really personal attack that did not belong in a presidential debate. Well, then they moved on to race. This is where Wallace said, I'm going to ask you a question about race, but you can answer however you want. (laughs) (laughs) And then he said, I'm going to have to ask you to stop. And Trump said, and him too, right? And he said, well, I'm talking to you, Mr. President, because frankly, you have done more interrupting than he has, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. So why should voters trust you on race issues was the question. Biden said it's about equity and equality. Not not there, but we are not afraid to face it, was his point. Like, they're going to they're yeah. face it head on and, and address it. Trump said there's a 1994 bill that Biden, Biden passed where he called black people super predators. I don't know if that's true or not. He tried to paint Biden as radical left. He said at some point 
like because Trump's been said, you know, Trump says you can't say certain things. He said, say law enforcement, say law and order. And he did like Biden said it. And but he said, see, you can't Trump's like, see, he can't say it. <laughs> he did say it. <laughs> uh, Wallace asked Trump why he ended racial sensitivity training. And do you believe there is systemic racism? Trump said he ended the raci- racial, racial sensitivity training because it was racist. Uh, he said, sort of a reversal, teaching people to hate our country, need to go back to the core values of our country, which to me was like yeah. a shout out to the white supremacists. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it comes to one of those things where, you know, I wish Joe Biden was going to do some of the things to law enforcement that Trump says he's going to do. Like, I wish there was going to be some sort of reform or, or more training or something, but it's just not going to happen. No. Wallace talked about increased murders and not just in Democratic states. He said, is this a party issue, which I don't understand. Obviously, I didn't write this down clear enough. Trump said, I think it is a party <laughs> issue. And he, he, Trump complained about the suburbs being gone. He wanted the suburb. Biden wanted the suburbs all gone. And he said he doesn't want to say law and order because he can't. But the the sentence before Trump said that, Biden's literal last sentence was, of course I believe in law and order with equal justice for all. Well, that's the thing. The tag didn't disqualify it in Trump's book. Yeah. And then Wallace asked Biden, what does rethinking policing mean and do you support the BLM call for community control of policing? Biden said police need the opportunity to fix the problems they face, uh, not defunding the police, but like sending out a psychologist with them on 911 call and getting back to community policing where where you knew the police that, that patrolled your streets and you could talk to them and that. So good thought. I'm not sure, you know, I don't, if when, when he's talking about get back to community policing, I mean, I, I, I don't think you want to get back to any sort of policing. It's always been bad. Yeah. Like, like systemically bad. There's been good police, obviously. There still is lots of good police, but the system itself is just so inherently rigged that it needs to be rethunk. And I'm not, I don't think, like I said, I, I don't think defunding is the right term. I vote. I think it's a, a refunding and not refunding, but you know what I mean? Just distributing the money differently so you get the right people out in the right situations. But yeah. it, it might mean, like I'm sure it'll mean the same money, perhaps even more. But that's what needs to be done. Yeah, I agree. Wallace asked Biden if he'd called the Portland, Oregon Democratic mayor or governor and said, you have to stop this. To which Biden replied, I don't hold public office. I've made it clear violent offenses should be prosecuted. And then he turned yeah, to... that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Biden has no authority or position to be calling... The, the mayor of Portland. Except for one of his first like, statements, when especially when, when Trump was pushing him on how he's going to be hold, beholden to the radical left, one of Biden's first statements was, I am the Democratic Party. So you can't say, I am yeah. the Democratic Party, and then say, I can't call him, I don't hold office. Yeah. I mean, the Democratic Party is not an office. It's a Technically, it's a private organization. Yeah, but uh, I'll tell you, but if this is a Democratic mayor and a Democratic governor... He could call as a citizen then, and he could have. He could call and say, he could have called. I think he's in a position where he could have called. He didn't, Maybe. fine, but I just don't think he can. I, I thought that was a bit of a hypocritical moment there when he said, you know, saying I am the Democratic Party, and then, then when saying, did you do this for the Democratic Party, he's saying, well, I'm not in office. 
Yeah, that's fair. That really reminded me of the scene in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith when Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, Egan Kolar, and Sisi Tin go to arrest Chancellor Palpatine after they find out he's the Sith Lord. And they say, and Mace Windu says, the Senate will decide your fate. And Palpatine goes, I am the Senate. Yes. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. Uh, and then it was at this point where one of the one of the key moments of the debate, I think, happened is when Wallace said to Trump, are you willing to condemn white supremacist groups and say they need to stand down? To which Trump, Trump replied, sure, I'm willing to do that. And Wallace and Biden said, both at the same side said, well, do it then. And he said, oh. <laughs> he said, but I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing. So he would say, like, he said, yeah, I'll do it. But almost everything I see is from the left wing. So there's really saying, you know, I would do it, but there's nothing for me to say is bad. And then, yeah, then Wallace pressed him on it some more. And he said, who do you want to, who do you want me to condemn? Who do you want me to condemn? But he already said it, white supremacists. Why do you need to condemn one group? They can be lumped yeah. together. You know what I mean? And then, for some yeah. reason, Biden said the Proud Boys. And I don't know why he bothered jumping in at that point and, and labeling someone specific there. I, I don't think it was his brightest move in the in the debate. But then the Trump, Trump says, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by, which quickly the Proud Boys put on T-shirts and it's become their motto. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, I think it's easy to watch this debate as a Canadian and get all high and mighty. But, humbling fact, they're a Canadian export. Yeah. There's a white white supremacist group born and raised in Canada. So, we're not immune, folks, and we have a lot of these problems, too. We're just way better at hiding it. And then, well, and the rest of that sentence was, was, so Trump's full sentence was, Proud boys, stand back and stand by, but I'll tell you what, somebody has to do something about Antifa and the left. So he couldn't even it's just not comparable. He couldn't even just leave it at at a condemnation. He still had to bring in Antifa, which isn't even a group. Trump said Antifa yeah, is a yeah. dangerous radical group and you ought to be careful with them. Yeah, but but there's no it's not comparable. There is no structure to Antifa. There's there's no leader. There's no hierarchy. There's no money. There's no fundraising. There's no organization. There is all of that in the Proud Boys and other white supremacists. I don't know why we picked the, the Proud Boys here. I really I think it was a mistake to say yeah. one white supremacist. You can lump the white supremacists together. Yeah, yeah, you can. And I don't. You know what? I even regret mentioning anybody now because really we shouldn't even give them the name recognition. No, this is that's what I said. Why why would you? That's why I don't... Yeah. And Biden did it. If you listen to the debate, Biden was the one that said it, and I don't know why he did. Well, I mean, it really... I, I, I mean, I think there's an argument for a reason. I don't think it's a good enough reason, but there's an argument for a reason if you say, like, you know, it, it, it focuses... You know, Trump says, who do you want me to condemn? And, he get, and Biden gives him someone, says, condemn this group, and it kind of puts Trump up against a wall. Just say white supremacists. Yes. Y- yes, yes. No, I agree. I agree. But... I don't know. I, like I said, I don't think it's a good enough reason, but I think if he's going through his head, it's like, okay, I'll play your game. You want somebody, you want a specific group to condemn? Here you go. Yeah. Uh, I think it did more harm than good, but... I, I agree. I agree. I think it did as well. Wallace then said Joe Biden is uh, sort of motto for the election is don't compare me to the almighty compare me to the alternative, which is also something one of his father's favorites, Joe Biden's father's favorite sayings. And then why, he said, why elect you over your opponent? Uh, and 
Trump said he'd, he'd, there has never been a president that has done more in three and a half years despite the impeachment hoax. He's made the greatest economy in history. Uh, I still would like to see some sort of facts and figures in that. 300 yeah. judges appointed. And then he went on about how Obama left 128 openings, but Obama didn't leave those openings. No, he didn't. Mitch McConnell blocked them. Yes, exactly. They were blocked. They were blocked by the Republicans. Fine. Yeah. So he didn't leave those openings. That's like, that's like saying Obama left an opening on the Supreme Court. Yeah, exactly. And Biden just said, you know, under Trump, you've become weaker, sicker, poorer, and more violent and more divided. He called uh, he called Trump's Putin's puppy and said the only people that are really in a better situation are the billionaires. Yeah. Then they, they moved on to climate change. Wallace asked Trump, what do you believe about the science of climate change and what will you do in the next four years? And Trump said, I want crystal clean water and air. If you look at our numbers, we're doing phenomenally. Paris Accord was a disaster from our point and I got out. He said the fires just need forest management, not not climate change. Oh, jeez. He says every year I get the call, California is burning. But with forest management, you wouldn't get those calls. And then he went to his little, maybe he just watched Star Wars, because then he said in Europe they live in forest cities. They maintain their forests. They manage their forests. I was with the head of a major country. It's a forest city. So was he was he thinking of Endor? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. Nobody lives in forest cities. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And and he said this leader told him, we have tr- trees that ignite far easier than in California. What? That's ridiculous. <laughs> no world leader told him that. And, you know, I was with a world leader of a yeah. major nation. Oh, okay. Yeah, if it was a real person, he would have name dropped. It wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. He just made that up. No, no, yeah, he did. And Biden pledged to rejoin the Paris Accord, and he said it doesn't cost more money because we're spending billions on floods, hurricanes, rising seas. So it's just it's just redistributing that money so that that doesn't happen as much. And then Trump blamed China, Russia, and India. He said she said China, Russia, and India send real dirt up into the air. I mean, they they do. They are big polluters, but so is the United States. You throw the United States in there, and you have the four biggest polluters. Yeah, they said the U.S. was only 15% of the world's problem. That's still way more than most other countries. Yeah, it it needs to drop for sure. But I think they're a a distant fourth. And he may be right, but, but, you know, it's just one of those things. Just fix yourself. Don't worry about what other people... I mean, you need to worry about what other people are doing, but dropping out of the Paris Accord wasn't the thing to do. But that was another one I thought Biden held... I thought Biden held his own in that section pretty well and and did a good job of answering there. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, yeah, you need to, you do need to worry about what other people are doing, but the only thing you control is what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. You can put pressure on other countries, but that's all you can do. Yeah. Then then they got into election integrity. Wallace said, what are you prepared to do to reassure the American people that the next president is the legitimate winner? Biden said he's prepared to let the people vote where, when, and how. It doesn't matter. No evidence that the mail is bad. Those that want to vote in person can. He said Trump is trying to dissuade people from voting, but he can't stop you from voting. And he's basically encouraging people to get out and vote so that you are in control of what the country looks like for the next four years. 
Which was again, I thought was a decent answer for him in that one. I thought yeah. he, I thought he did that. I thought it was a well thought out, good answer. Trump said ballots are a disaster, going to be a fraud like you've never seen. It's like he's already admitting he's like, I'm going to lose, and I'm going to say it's fake. Absolutely, that's exactly what he's doing. He's setting this up. The whole thing, the Supreme Court, everything is a setup for him to take this to court. Wallace said, "Yeah, because he's going to lose." Wallace said there was 31 mail-in votes in 2018 and no issues. 31 million mail-in votes in 2018 and yeah. no issues. Yeah. Yeah. Trump said counting on the Supreme Court Supreme Court to look at the ballots. Mailmen are, he said mailmen are selling ballots in West Virginia. He said ballots are being found in the rivers. He says this is not going to end well. That's interesting because West Virginia is a solid Republican state. So it's interesting that he's... He pulled West Virginia up. Yeah, it's just interesting. And he's just, I don't think there's any evidence of, of ballots being found in rivers. No, yeah, I mean, all of it's nonsense. I, think, but, I but, don't think any of it's like, true, unless it's being no, seriously suppressed. But if you're going to, if you're going to, like, pull out a state and say there's fraud, make it a close one, like uh, Pennsylvania or Arizona or North Carolina, Ohio, Iowa, yeah. one of the close ones. Don't just pick West Virginia, which is going to so easily go to you. He he then, Wallace said, will you declare tonight that you will not declare victory until the election has been independently certified? And will you tell your supporters to remain calm? And Trump said, I'm urging my supporters to go into the polls and watch carefully. Watch very carefully. He said, I'm sure you'll see some interesting things. He said, they cheat, meaning the, the Democrats. But that's danger. That can't be legal, can is it? Yeah. Can it be like telling people to go out and like, that's insane? It's crazy to me. I mean, I think you can say whatever you want, but it's not. I don't think it's actually legal to go and do it. And Biden said, "Yes, if it's not me, I'll support the outcome." Which again is now. Here's the thing: if he should support the outcome, if it's not him after the votes are counted, but if it's him after the votes are counted. And then it goes like, and then Trump takes it to the Supreme Court or anything like that. I don't think you should necessarily support that outcome. Sorry? Well, like, if all the votes are counted, mail-in ballots and everything, and Trump wins the election, Biden should support it. But if Biden wins the election and Trump takes it to the Supreme Court, and even if the Supreme Court throws out all those ballots, uh, and Trump wins in the end, I don't think he should necessarily support that outcome. Yeah, well, I mean, he may not support that outcome. I think he's talking about the votes in the Electoral College. Then that's that's about all I have on the debate. Was there anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, I mean not 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 really. I will say, you know, I'll touch on two things that was just like mentioned in the debate, though it's not specifically the debate. The electoral college. I mean, this this is really should be obvious to anybody who paid any attention to it. It heavily favors Republicans. There have been five times in U.S. history, two of which have been since 2000, where the winner of the national popular vote lost the presidency to a, to to the winner of the electoral college vote five times in u.s history uh the first of which was in the early 1800s the most recent of which was 2016 all five of those times a democrat won the national popular vote the republican won the presidency without exception all five of those times and which is why you know like despite Americans electing a Democrat as president for like uh, in, for two elections, 
in the past 20 years, eight of the years where they elected a Democrat, we've had a Republican president. They've had a Republican president. Right. You mean the, when the you say elected, you mean when you say elected, you mean the popular vote? Well, yeah, because Americans don't elect their president. The electors of the Electoral College elect the president. But Americans voted and they voted for the Democrat. And then the way the Electoral College votes went, it went another way. But but Americans elected a Democrat like that's what they did. But then the system twisted it. Yeah, it definitely it definitely gives weight to some states that don't have the population of the the big populous states that are heavily Democrat. Yeah, and that's the problem where Americans don't necessarily live in the democracy. Because the other thing is, you know, they they talk about what Trump has said and what one um, Mitt Romney's point that he made when he said why he would vote to support Trump's Supreme Court nominee. He said that the American people gave them a mandate and he said that the nation is more center-right than anything else and the supreme court should reflect that well mitt that's not necessarily true because how presumptuous of you it's not um, at all true no it's not and and if you actually look at it you know you, you say the republicans have a mandate from the american people you have a president who lost the popular vote and you have a senate where the minority of democratic senators represent i believe 57 percent of the population yeah because the senate is weighted nothing to do with population it's just states but don't claim that you have a mandate from the american people or that you live in a nation that's largely center right when the majority of the people have voted yeah. against your party yeah. the majority the only reason your power is through a weird system the majority of the land is center right yes yeah the majority of the geography but but i mean the the country's just not and i mean yeah you have democrats who are left-wing and you have democrats who are center and you have democrats who are center right but but don't that's just such a uh bullcrap argument that it's nonsense it's nonsense and the thing is with that i don't even know if he knows it's nonsense i'm not convinced that mitt romney didn't just look at the senate and the the president seems like, oh yeah, we have both, so clearly we represent the nation. He must. But the actual numbers he, do they not know. support that. They know. They all know. They can't not know. They just <laughs> maybe spew this out of the you know. They just spew this out of their holes because it makes them sleep at night. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. They of course they know. And for anybody who has well in Canada, Crave or HBO, this this week's John Oliver is a expose of that and it was well done yeah i agree and but you know what here um i will just say i am not opposed to the idea of the american senate in that every state is given equal representation because i otherwise you might drown out you know wyoming which has a very small population and they deserve as a state to have their say but i don't know if you should have that body that has that representation be the one that confirms all these crazy important lifetime permanent positions i think the body that is the house representatives which is more accurate just you know on population maybe that one should be in charge of those confirmations yeah i don't know how it got to the senate constitution i guess but yeah i just think i think you know the senate is less democratic than the house of representatives and those confirmation hearings should go before the most democratic legislature that you have yeah or or uh or both yeah, or both. Put them through both. 
Like, what's the harm? Yeah. Although then no, it might be harder. To- nobody would ever get through because very well, rarely, very rarely does somebody own one party own all three houses. Yeah, but in fairness, before Obama, before the Republicans got hyperpartisan on Obama, it was quite common that a president would nominate somebody and they'd go through the Senate with close to 100 votes because senators would, uh, unless there was a huge objection, like unless there was some big problem, even if they disagreed ideologically, it was kind of respected that this person won the presidency and they're nominating this person and, you know, they're not obviously a criminal. So, yeah, yeah we'll nominate them. And that was that was done both ways with Democratic and, and Republican senators. And then Obama came in and started nominating people and Republicans got hyper-partisan, and then Trump came in and started nominating a bunch of criminals, and uh, Republicans got, uh, and Democrats were like, no, we can't support this. But unfortunately, they didn't have the votes. Yeah, they didn't have the votes, but but that's why... Isn't that a song from Hamilton? You don't have the votes. Yes, it is. It's like a line from a song, but yeah. You know, so if we got back to more of an era of civility, then it might happen, you know, if you just accepted that... Well, it's the way it is. And I'm sure I'm sure the Republicans will be more than happy to be civil once they have six seats on a nine seat Supreme Court and sixty percent of the lower court judges uh all leaning yeah. to the right. Yeah. Then they'll want to you go know, back to being notice, civil. Yeah. I'll notice I noticed Biden wouldn't commit to not expanding the Supreme no, Court. No, he didn't he didn't say either way, he said whatever I say there becomes the story. Yeah. Which I thought was a decent anyway. answer. You don't want to take it off the table, but I, I don't think it's. I don't think you want to. I don't know. Unless they start doing some crazy stuff on the Supreme Court, I'm not. I think that's a last resort. Otherwise, you know, when the Republicans get back in, they're just going to put more on and more on and more on, and then you'll have all morons on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I think the right move for Biden is to put term limits on the Supreme Court. Yeah, why and, not? And make make it a clause in there. That if you have served more than the term limit already, you're done. And to make it, you could you could even add in like some sort of confirmation by both houses or something, and then you can if you if you get reconfirmed every 15 years by both houses, you can stay on. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like, like, like there are it, ways it without it, supporting the Supreme. If you get a driver's license, you have to start going to take retests once you hit a certain age. Yeah. Why should you be? It, you need to get driven to the Supreme Court because you're so old you can't drive yourself anymore. You failed the driver's license test, but you can still be a Supreme Court judge. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. Anyway, moving on from the debate. Now, the New York Times has reported that President Trump Trump earned $73 million in revenue from his interest in foreign countries, mostly from golf courses... Uh, and resorts in Scotland and Ireland, but also from the Philippines, Turkey, and India. Those are, That's in his first two years in office. Yeah, no wonder he's not taking his salary. Yeah, and also, do you think if he's earning money from the Philippines, Turkey, India, and even Scotland and Ireland, is he going to be objective if something comes up that he has to do for the benefit of the united states no this is why jimmy carter had to give up his peanut farm to be president because you can't have business interests when you're the president and when did that stop being the law most presidents i don't think it was ever the law to be honest i think most presidents just did it because it was the right thing to do no i think i think they they i think somebody made him 
made Jimmy Carter give up his farm. Like they said, you cannot be president if you own this. Maybe. I, I, I don't know, to be honest. But I know it has been the norm for decades for presidents to divest their in- business interests and put it in some sort of holding so them to pick up again once they weren't president anymore. Yeah. Uh. But even that is is pretty dodgy because you can just set it up so that it's well off once you pick it up again. And you still what you if it's just sitting there, you still know you know where the money's coming from. Yeah. If you're getting a bunch of money from Russia, are you going to be hard on Russia? You know what I mean? Like you know where the money's coming from. Yeah. Even if it, even if you're not in control of it, you just can't own it. Yeah. And neither can your kids or whatever. If you want to be president, you got to give it up. Sell it, take the money. You can have the money. You just can't be earning interest. Yeah, absolutely. Not interest, but you can't be earning profits. Yeah. And Biden says, even though Trump's been diagnosed with COVID, uh, if he has a clean test and there's adequate safety precautions, uh, he will do the next debate. Can't be worse, can it? No, no, probably not. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I think it can be. Come on. Have faith. All right, closer to fine. Do you have uh, anything that you want to talk about here? I got that part in the short film that I'm um, that I was talking about last week. That's exciting. Yeah, it's a bit different now because the we're going to be doing a totally different script, makes it a totally different film because of certain complications. So I, I literally do not know what I'm what I'm going to be doing. So they they uh, cast well, you I, even though there's no there is no script, but they said but they think you'll be perfect for the part. Yeah, they cast me as the lead. But there's, um, but there's no script. What if the parts? Well, of, I mean, what, if, what if the, the lead script. is a ninety-year-old black woman? Well, they're writing the script, so clearly they're gonna write, some, but like write it for the people they've cast. Oh, okay, all right. I, I do actually know the tiniest, tiniest bit, but I haven't signed a contract yet or anything, so I really probably shouldn't go too much into it. So I won't. But yeah, I'm excited. It's supposed to film on the seventeenth, twenty-fourth, and thirty-first of October. First. So they're going to write second ever. It is apparently 99% done in the email I got today. They said the script is 99% done, but I'm quite excited to be a part of it. I think that, uh, you know, it'll be a good experience. Second ever film thing. First, that was more than a 10 hour experience. (laughs) Um, That's the video uh, from. Yeah. In August. And it's still not released. August, but I've been told by uh, somebody I know who who's done a lot of film that that's not strange. Oh. It's not strange that they're not done. A music video. So, yeah, apparently. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't... I, actually, I don't imagine this short film will be released until sometime in 2021. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it sounds like fun. That's ex- that's exciting stuff. And I thought they'd it start... Is. I thought they were starting the script. I'm like, they're going to finish it in 12 days? But it's mostly done, you're saying. Yeah, I don't know when they started it. They might have started it, like, last week. I, I don't know. I don't know. Are you There's the, so much that I don't know. I just don't want to speak to it too much, honestly. Are you a little concerned that the script's a little rushed? <laughs> I, I have faith. I have faith in the people who are doing the project. Uh, you know, nobody wants to put out crap. So I, if I, I, if he thinks it's good and ready, the writer, then, then I'm sure it will be. Excellent. All right, that'll be good. Uh, I got a couple things here. One thing I heard this week that, that somehow made me, I don't know, happy-ish. Happy's the wrong word, but interesting farmers in asia started raising bees 
in order to keep elephants from raiding their crops because elephants are afraid of bees. They are not afraid of many things, but they are afraid of bees. And if there's hives around the crops, they won't go near them. And I, I, I mean, I'm kind of with the elephants there. I think it's stupid that such a little thing can cause so much pain. Yeah. So I, I, it's a bit, bit vindicated. And then uh, I was reading a story today about a McDonald's drive through employee named Wyatt Jones. He's from the U.S. It's not a lot of Wyatts. Actually, I know Wyatt, but anyway, it, it is in the U.S., but I'm not sure exactly where. So Wyatt purchased a meal for a drive through client's children. When she got up to the window, the mom got up to the window and realized that she didn't have her purse with her in the car. So later... She tried to go back and pay him, but he said, no, no, you know, it was on me. It's fine. They were talking a bit. And over that conversation, the mother found out that he's he's saving for a car and stuff. And he's so anyway, she went back, started a GoFundMe on his behalf and raised 32000 and gave it to him. So she said, she said, uh-huh. How, she said, how's that for a tip? <laughs> that's just paying it for. That's I mean, fantastic. that's just, you know what I mean? Like little things doing little things for people and and it works out you know what i mean it's a bit of karma coming back around there for that wyatt so good for him yeah absolutely very good for him and in other in other b news this is turning into a b segment today but <laughs> b colonies in the u.s are going up maine showed a 70 percent growth in colony numbers and other states are up you know 15 20 percent so it's a good good sign that that's turn hopefully turning around i mean it it's been yeah, they've been going really up for a couple of years is, uh, so yeah really help with the u.s's rampant elephant problem <laughs> that's right and now the end is near. okay parting thoughts to end another marathon episode dylan yeah you have any parting thoughts yeah it's gonna be another marathon episode next week because the vice presidential debates on saturday and, well, maybe uh, we'll try to maybe maybe we'll try to do a, a a small special debate episode. Yeah. Well, the other option is we could try to parse it down. Like we don't need to dissect the vice presidential debate too much because who cares? Maybe, maybe we'll just just take twenty-ish minutes in uh, Trudeau and Trump to revel in uh, Kamala Harris just wiping the floor with Mike Pence. We'll see. We'll um, see what happens. I think it'll happen, but I have to say. I think the SNL skit that comes out of that will be so much better. Not so much better, but will be, I think, more funny because, well, maybe not. I was going to say because I like Maya Rudolph's Kamala Harris more than I like Jim Carrey's Joe Biden. Not that I thought Jim Carrey did that bad of a job, but I just love Maya Rudolph's Kamala Harris. But then it won't have Alec Baldwin's Trump, so we'll see. It might. They might throw him in there. Kamala Harris wasn't really at the presidential debate, but she made an appearance. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So it might not, but uh, and who plays Pence? Um, a guy. I think it's the same guy who plays Wallace. Who played Chris Wallace? Yeah, I think it is too. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Yeah, I don't remember his name either. But he's also the same guy who does Weekend Update, doesn't he? No, it's not Colin Jost or Michael Che. Okay. All right. Firstly, I want to say congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Won the Stanley Cup. And did I didn't do that last week? Did I? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think they won it last week. I think they just won it this week. But anyway, congratulations there for the Stanley Cup. Did we only just start recording? We got all your stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Continue as you were. Why? (laughs) 
Because when you said firstly, I thought you were—I thought you like just pressed record, and I was like, okay, firstly, and I was like, we didn't record any of mine. No, this is firstly for me of what I'm gonna say. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Congratulations <laughs> to Tampa Bay Lightning for winning the Stanley Cup, and also uh, for the NHL. I mean, they—they they put this playoff format together, put all those teams in the bubble, and over the course of a couple months had zero positive COVID tests, which is a pretty impressive thing. It looks like basketball is going to end up having the same result. There's been, there was, there was a couple in baseball, which wasn't a bubble, but they still managed while they're in the playoffs now. And the NFL's had a couple of case, couple of games delayed, but they're seem to be getting through as well. So the sports seem to be getting, uh, getting done in the covid times it's just we'll see what happens when they try to start putting people in the stands because without it uh you know they they just don't make the the nfl probably makes money but the rest of the leagues probably don't make the money they need they need they need fans in the stands butts in the seats yeah do it it better than uh the white house yes that's right and for that matter the house of commons i mean they had east francois blanchette and aaron o'toole yeah and uh, one thing I meant to put in last week's parting thoughts, and I forgot, but last Sunday we had a dinner here, and and on this the couple of days I think it was the Friday before I was out shopping, and I, I knew people were coming over for dinner, but the plan we was we were gonna have uh, sandwiches or subs or something. I don't remember. I think that was it. And as I was shopping, I believe it was at the superstore. They had these roasts on sale. So I got this massive roast. And it was $16. Then I bought an onion. It was about 80 cents. A bag of carrots that was also on sale for $2.99. And a bag of potatoes that was on sale for $1.99. 10 pounds of potatoes. So for about... For, for less than $25, I put together this fabulous meal that fed 12 people... And had leftovers for the next day, and it was good. That sounds good. And it was exciting. It was just I was just when I just couldn't believe how good a deal that roast beef was. But <laughs> that you know, sounds tasty. Yeah, so. yeah, it was good. Well, not for you, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> the meat the meat eaters, the carnivores among us enjoyed it. Yeah, I actually it was funny. Um, one of the uh, I'm in a, I'm now in a group chat with the cast for this film just like it was just formed either just before or just after we started recording and it was asked uh, does anybody have any dietary allergies or restrictions and my brain just stopped at allergies so i said no oh. i don't <laughs> and then and then immediately i was like wait shit yes i do um so i tried to cover it and what i was like allergies i don't have allergies i am a vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but yeah but I was just like, no, I'm fine. It's fine. Forgot that. Yeah, I do. I do have a, a dietary restriction. Do you do you know anybody else involved in this production or no? Doesn't look like it. Okay, that's good. More networking for you then. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, another one in the books. Thank you for listening. It was, you know, fun as usual. And we will yeah, talk been a long at episode. you. Yeah, another long one. So that yep, means so go get a drink of water, take a pee. This will probably not be posted till Tuesday because uh, it just takes me a long time to edit it. But I'm sure our loyal listeners will wait till then, both of them. Absolutely. Anyway, all the best to you, and uh, thanks for letting us talk at you again. And we'll let's talk to you next week. <laughs>